Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. No one is more locked From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkin and Andrew Filipponi. All right, we are back. And Pony, before we get into any specifics about that game, and you know how it goes, every team, every game, every week, I'm going to go out on this limb all by myself and say it is good to have the NFL back. That's a hell of an entertainment product, my friend. Even though that wasn't a great game, that is one hell of an entertainment product. Nothing else comes close. We can get into the specifics. I just wanted to be the first one to exclusively report that the NFL kicks ass, and I'm glad it's back. All right, here's my first question then of the new year to piss you off. Was that more about the Lions winning the game or the Chiefs losing it? Oh, God. So, look, we can do this for every game, okay? Yeah, but Um, it's especially interesting on this one. What's the lead, the Lions winning or the Chiefs losing? Personally? Yep. I think it's the Lions winning. Of course. I knew you were going to do that. Okay, here's why. We know why the Chiefs lost. The Chiefs win if they have Kelsey. They maybe win if they have Chris Jones. And it's weird to put it on one player, but Kadarius Toney should be cut. He he cost them seven points with a terrible pick six with the ball going off his hands. And he doesn't make that catch in the fourth quarter. And he had another drop. Then you add in the Sky more drops. Like, they didn't have the playmakers. Like the, the Chiefs storyline is very interesting, but if Travis Kelsey plays next week against Jacksonville and Chris Jones shows the tape uh to Brett Veach of the Lions offensive line just manhandling them in the fourth quarter, and two or three weeks from now, both those guys are back, this game is going to be looked at as an aberration or an asterisk in the Chiefs season, which we still expect to be very successful. 
no matter what caveats you put on it for the Lions, Mm -hmm. that's the signature win of the Dan Campbell era for Detroit. So I do think it has more lasting effects for Detroit than Kansas City. Uh, See, I don't even know. I don't even agree with that because you you said that the Chiefs had built in excuses for losing the game. I I would say the, the signature win is keeping an arch rival with a quarterback out of the playoffs last year and ending the guy's career with the Packers. I would say that that would still be ahead of this. No, I mean, you if, if Kelsey plays, I think you're right. But you just said that it's not a true victory over the Chiefs because it was a watered-down Kansas City team. And we shouldn't be treating the Lions like with kid gloves anymore, like they're the little plucky Lions. They're I'm not. I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. When? You didn't do that on either one of our podcasts. Well, we didn't make Super Bowl predictions. I picked it well, on the air today. You could have you could have fit that into your Lions breakdown. We had so much time on that NFC podcast. You might have wanted to mention that one of the teams was your surprise pick to go to the Super Bowl. So thanks a million for that. Um, man, I, I don't boil the – look, simply put, if those two guys play, do the Chiefs win? Yes. Yes, they do. But I think they, there were legitimate problems that creeped in and issues in that game that go beyond just those two guys, their wide receivers suck. This is a, a, just a lousy first impression by their wide receivers. Rice caught a touchdown pass. Good for him. But I thought the wide receivers just, all we've heard about is it's not a big deal there that Mahomes makes everybody better. The rising tide of Patrick Mahomes lifts all boats. It did not. Those guys were brutal. And Tony was a trade and Sky Moore was an early pick. So both of those moves look awful in the moment and then Danny the play calling from Andy Reid come on now I mean I know I get it the guys allowed mulligans but the 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 tight end under center with the jet sweep on third and short and then you're fucking going for it on fourth and 25 what are you doing well and okay so a couple things it's funny like uh all the Bears fans on my Twitter timeline and even a ton of Bears media was like see that's Matt Nagy getting too cute no Andy Reid calls the plays. The buck stops with him. Matt Nagy is there basically as a charity case and a de facto offensive coordinator. So Andy Reid gets too cute in short yardage, and they've invested way too much in resources into that offensive line to not be able to just turn around and give the ball to Pacheco and gain two yards. And they've got a right tackle who jumped off sides on every single play as well, by the way. Great job by NBC, by the way. It's just so clearly far and away the best television uh, production in the NFL. They had the exact number of snaps that the Lions were running zone versus man, and they were updating it throughout the game. Like it, yeah. it's just it's by far the smartest broadcast. So a, a good job by them. They're in midseason form. They're absolutely fantastic. Uh, yeah, ba- Andy Reid, bad. Dan Campbell, bad. Those some of those punt like going for it inside his own twenty at the beginning of the game, but then punting from the Chiefs forty on the other side of the game, just like very logically inconsistent. I agree, but I think the fake punt really defined the game. I thought that play and getting getting points in that drive, scoring a touchdown, was if we're if I'm going to look back on the seminal moment of that game, to me it was that. Oh, I mean, but again, this goes back to your original question. Like, it depends which team you're looking at the lens through. 
the Chiefs are going to be in that locker room right now. My guess is, and we're doing this as soon as the game ends, my guess is Kadarius Tony will say that he single-handedly lost them the game. No, he won't because he's a complete asshole and he's and he's been a complete prick to people on social media throughout the entire offseason. So if he's the Kadarius Tony that we all know and love from his time in New York, he will get combative with people over the way he played in this game. Well, what, whether he says it or not, they'll know it's true. You know, yeah. like... You know, so the Chiefs will not look at it as they lost because the Lions went for it on fourth and short from, you know what I mean, in, in the first quarter of the game. They'll look at it as if Kadarius Tony catches one of three balls that Mahomes put right on and, his numbers, they win the game. And I know we got a lot of games to get to, but the last thing I want to say about this is, and, and, and you can give your final thought too, I wouldn't just say all is good in Chiefs' kingdom – when those guys come back for this reason. They're trying to host the AFC Championship game for six years in a row. They've never had to pack their bags for the AFC playoffs. And the one thing everyone seems to agree on is that the AFC has never been better. So, okay, great. I mean, we saw what New England had, what, what New England's record was during that dynasty run when they had to leave Foxborough and play playoff games away from home. Uh, just this to me is a loss that even with Kelsey out, the odds makers thought the Chiefs were going to win. So they're 0 and 1 when everyone thought they were going to be 1 and 0. And the margins, uh, the margin of error, I think, in the AFC, Danny, is going to be razor thin. No question. I mean, it, it will be razor thin. Mahomes and Reed going on the road in the playoffs, they're, they're going to think that they can win anywhere. And they will, of course, be right. And there's a long time between now and then. And they get a ton of those top AFC teams in the regular season. So, sure. you know what I mean? So they, they got they got plenty of time for that. Um, I do want to do a little bit more on the Lions, though, because I do think that it's more about them, and I did pick them to win the Super Bowl. Their <laughs> offensive line – or not win the Super Bowl, make the Super Bowl. And listen, I wanted to go out on a limb. I, I like the Chiefs. I didn't want to go complete chalk and say Chiefs-Eagles or Chiefs-Niners. So I admit that some of that is in it. But their offensive line, as good as advertised. Their ability to pick up short yardage – Operate in that way at the end of the game with Montgomery. Very impressive. They barely used Gibbs, who looked like he had a ton of juice. Goff was efficient. They fumbled inside the 10. And while the defense wasn't great, they did hold the Chiefs to 20 points at home at Arrowhead. And I understand that plenty of that was self-inflicted by Kansas City. But you put them at home on the fast track in Detroit, and you give them Jamison Williams in now five games and whatever confidence comes from how they finished last season and winning this game, I do think that they are a very dangerous team in a wide open NFC. And while Philly is a deserved favorite, man, they were a top five offense in the NFL last year and they added Gibbs who looked the part to me and they'll add Jamison Williams to it. To me, they could be the number one offense in the NFL at the end of the season. Yeah, the best thing I can say about the Lions is that historically, when a team would give a game to them on a silver platter, they would find a way to send it back to the kitchen. You know, they wouldn't win those games. You know, this is a game that they would lose in the past where they had it sealed up and then Mahomes would have converted fourth and 25 and they would have lost on a last second field goal and we would say same old Lions. So to me, like that is. By the way, though, he almost did convert. Sky Moore could have caught that ball. 
Yeah, there was a lot of could have caught that balls tonight. I'm just saying it wasn't like a breakup no, by Gardner yeah. Johnson or something right. like in the line secondary. Like that, that he he could have caught that ball. Yeah, I mean Mahomes is coming out of this game looking like he did when they lost the Super Bowl to Tampa. Right. It's like no one loses any respect for the guy. The interception, if you watch it, the pick six wasn't his fault. No, but I think that's the best thing I can say about the Lions. Like they've had uh they've had a tendency since the beginning of time to be charitable in situations like this and say, no, we're okay. You went, you go and win the game. And they didn't tonight. And they had the bullseye on them too. I mean, uh, to get put in this spot, to have this uh, spotlight on them and to not choke when the chiefs had major problems with a, with Jones and Kelsey, they do get credit for that. All right, let's get to the games. Um, You wanted to combine Eagles, Patriots, and Niners, Steelers to start. Similar spots. NFC favorites on the road against, you write, supposed elite coaches. Mm -hmm. Will both of them lose? I assume you mean both the Eagles and the Niners? Yeah, what do you think here, Danny? I want to flip this on you. Like, give me your take. Because I do think the games are nearly identical the two best teams in the nfc against quote-unquote middle of the pack afc heritage franchises with hall of fame level coaches so road favorites is a pretty square thing here but niners might minus anything less than three is something that i'm very interested in betting like i think that the niners are one of the few teams in the nfl that two through 53 has a better roster than the Steelers two through 53 who have a very impressive roster. And I'm, I can be totally with you on Pickett over Brock Purdy and obviously your teams at home, but I do think the Niners are absolutely the better team. So I will be betting the Niners. I already have bet the Niners at minus two and a half in the game. And then the Patriots, man, I know they figured out a way to win eight games last year, but the Eagles would be on my short list of teams that I also think could be the number one offense in the NFL. And the Patriots did not do nearly enough to make me think that they're going to be able to win a game that uh, where you're going to need to score 24 points or more, because I don't think that the Patriots defense will hold Philly under that number. So I actually think the NFC comes out on top here over the AFC. And sweeps them? Yeah, sweeps them. Yeah, I, I would take your action. If you wanted Eagles minus three and a half and and 49ers minus two and a half, I'd book that and take the other side. I think I think what's best the case- like about the Patriots in this spot? Let's start there. What's the like okay. about the Patriots? Well, first of all, why is the line so low? Why is it only three and a half? That's a that, that's a tip of the cap to just Belichick being Belichick by the odds makers that he's gonna find a way to make the Eagles piss blood to win this game, even though the roster of both there's no comparison. No comparing the two teams whatsoever. Um, I I think that the formula for the Patriots is just to muck up the game and have their defense, which I think has a chance to be one of the best in the NFL, it should slow be very down good. Philly in week one. Um, look at their corners. They've got elite cornerback play. They've got really good safeties. They've got Uche and Judon, uh, even though the Eagles have a phenomenal offensive line. I just think they have a chance to make it a game where 
Philly can't get comfortable and score its usual 28 points. And so, and that situation. The Bills or the the Patriots, though, will be able to, like, they're going to try to run the ball with Stevenson, right? And it's not going to work because their offensive line is going to get manhandled by the Eagles front. So, what's their counterpunch? Like, how how is Mac Jones scoring against that Philly defense? Got to get the ball out fast. Got to just to who I know, <laughs> like you know what I mean. Him. Like to me, that's gotta the use those mismatch. tight ends. Got to use Hunter Henry. I don't think Gasecki's going to play in this game. He's hurt. Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, the the Patriots are just short on playmakers. Um, yeah, to me, that's the mismatch. You know, like I, I'm with you on the Patriots defense and Belichick and all the time to prepare. Like I, I think you could muck it up. I think the game could be close in the second half. I just I don't know how the Patriots score enough points, w- whether it's first to 20, first to 24, whatever the number has to be. I, I I just don't know how they move the ball if they can't really run the ball on first and second down. And then I think the Steelers just try to beat the 49ers the way that the Eagles did and just pound Brock Purdy and just win up front. Yeah. Uh, McGlinchey's in Denver now. They're breaking in a new starting right tackle against a healthy T.J. Watt. We've seen that movie before with San Francisco where they got two quarterbacks knocked out against Philly's pass rush. I don't think the Steelers' pass rush takes a backseat to the Eagles when they got all their guys out there. So that's how you beat them. You put Purdy holds the ball longer than Garoppolo or the 49ers quarterbacks before. He's a little bit slower with it. And so that could be the difference in a game like this. I think that's, and and by the way, the 49ers defense also from time to time, we saw it with DK Metcalf in the wild card game. Yeah. Somebody will throw the ball over the top of them. And so you got George Pickens who goes up and mosses people. So that's how the Steelers win that game. Oh, well, listen, I, the, that's why I wanted to start with the other one. And that's why the spread is bigger uh, in, in the other one. So it's a, I, I see a path for the Steelers to beat the Niners. I, I, for as small as the spread is, I don't see much of one. For the Patriots. All right, Danny. Next one is Cowboys and Giants. Now, we know some people who picked the Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl, by the way. Yeah. What could they do in this game to get you to believe in the hype? I don't think there's anything they can do in this game to make me believe that they're a Super Bowl contender. Like, if the if the standard of hype to, of buying in is Super Bowl, because I didn't think the Giants were very good last year. So, winning a road game in the division against the team that I think that you're better than, I don't think that I'm going to say, oh, wow, they're a Super Bowl contender. But to make me think that they're the third best team in the NFC, which the odds makers say they are, and I disagree with, if Dak Prescott had a massive passing game and a high-volume passing game, so not like 22 of 26 for 220 yards, But if he was like 32 of 40 for 300 yards and a couple of scores, and they said, that's the way that we can win. And McCarthy was really talking tough, talking old school, bluffing. But like when the situation dictates, he's willing to play modern football and actually air it out. That would at least make me rethink that they're going to be playing 1994 football in the year of our Lord, 2023. So I don't think anything can make them a Super Bowl contender, but the style of the win 
if it was on an efficient, high-volume passing game, that would make me rethink how I feel about the Cowboys. Well, it's a pretty you, – you don't know where it's going to come from, but you know what the Giants' defense is all about. They're going to blitz the hell out of you. It's that Wink Martindale, throw the kitchen sink at you, just leave his corners and defensive backs on a complete island in one-on-one coverage and just try to beat the shit out of the quarterback. And so if Dak stands in there and is able to get the ball downfield, or not even downfield, just get the ball out and not turn it over and not get sacked, and they score 30-plus points because C.D. Lamb and um, Gallup and Cooks are taking advantage of uh, Deontay Banks, a rookie corner, and Adoree Jackson, and they light up the Giants. I think it's a bad matchup for the Giants. Um, If they light up the Giants, and they're the highest-scoring team this weekend, like if the final score looks like that Cowboys Vikings game from last year, like I think the game could be a blowout. Is I guess what I'm telling you. Yeah. And I think if I think if that happens on a Sunday night, all of America watching, then I'll think a little differently of Mike McCarthy. If he comes out and he asks Tony Pollard to run the ball 20 times and wants to win a first to 17 game, then I won't think. Yeah. So we're the same. Be a championship caliber team, right? Yeah. So we're we're the same on this one. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Packers, Bears. You should ask me this question, and then I'll do the next Do you one. like the way I worded it? I do. Uh, the Bears have the most pressure in the NFL to win week one. True or false? Mostly true. Justin Fields has the most pressure on him in week one of any player in the NFL. More than Aaron Rodgers making his debut with the Jets. More than... Shit. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Because the reason why your, your wording was close to perfect as I see it is if the bears lose 30 to 27 and Justin Fields balls out and has a great game passing the football, it will be very disappointing here because of the result of the game. But a lot of people, myself included, won't feel terrible about it because there will be vindication and validation that not only do the Bears have their quarterback, but that he has actually stepped forward in the passing game, and it's not just running the football. So while, of course, you want to beat the Packers, it's more to me about does Justin Fields take the step? Because a lot of the training camp reports have been not great about his accuracy in practice. We haven't seen it in the preseason, and – 
if Jordan Love outplays Justin Fields and it feels like they went from Favre to Rodgers to another quarterback, right? forget Hall of Fame, but even just better than the Bears quarterback, it'll be a disaster. So if like the Packers run on the Bears, but Fields throws on the Packers and the Bears lose, I can like twist myself into a knot to be okay with that. Right. That's the only, but I think that's the, that's the specific scenario where you feel that way. Correct. If they lose and he's good, but he gets outplayed. If he loses a gunfight to love, I don't think that you're got, you guys are going to feel good because you get a little bit of solace in your quarterback, but some dude that just sat on the bench for, for three years came into your building. I'm not saying good. I'm not, I'm not saying you'll feel good, but the big picture of this season, man, like I've been saying it a lot. I would take seven wins for the bears, but fields being awesome over 10 wins for the bears and fields not being awesome. I don't think that there is a 10 win scenario where he's not awesome. I don't, I don't, yeah, that's, that's prop. That's probably true, but you know how football is like, Weird turnover luck. The Vikings won 13 games last year. The Giants were in the playoffs, right? Like no one would say that Daniel Jones or Kirk Cousins are awesome. Uh, so it we, weird, weird things happen. But if Love outplays Fields and the Packers win, it's a disaster. Fields needs to be good in this game. And I do think he will be. I think the Packers will run on the Bears pretty consistently. One of my favorite bets of the week, I got it at 41 and a half. Uh, Spencer's putting up 42 and a half. In the graphic, it's it's vacillated. It's gone back and forth. One of my favorite bets of the week is the over in this game. Well, that's I think, not even the best bet in this game. It's Fields over his rushing prop of about 60 yards because I don't care what they say about getting away from that, if that's even been a topic of discussion with some of their offensive line injuries like Jenkins, and they're going to need to win this game by any means necessary. The guy might on five on five attempts right. have 60 rushing yards. Yeah, I, um, I agree. Next game is Bengals-Browns. I'm going to call an audible here and change the original question. So sorry for, to, to Spencer and the graphics team because we've got breaking news on this one. Oh, do So we it's know? Bengals and Browns. And originally the question was going to be about Deshaun Watson, but now I got to make it about the contract Joe Burrow got, Danny. Oh. To become the highest paid player in NFL history. He famously said that his window to win is as long as he's playing. It's five more years in Cincy. Will he win a Super Bowl in the next half, half decade there? Yes. Yes. Joe Burrow is amazing. He's an amazing football yeah, player. Yeah, so is Justin Herbert, and he can't win a playoff game, and we always say that about him, and it doesn't matter that the results don't happen in January. So I think we'll say the guy's amazing even if he doesn't win a Super Bowl. Oh, in the I mean, next half decade. Yeah, he well, it's a team game, and amazing players don't win Super Bowls. Sure. So you'd bet against him? Uh, it's a tough call for me, probably. And the reason why I do that is I just still have such a hard time giving that organization the benefit of the doubt. I know what they've done the last two years. They're the only team that looks the Chiefs in the eye and has, and has beaten them consistently and doesn't seem intimidated by the – situation with Mahomes if not for a linebacker in a late hit maybe they go into Arrowhead and win again last year but now that Burrow has gotten this money see all the talk was that he was going to take less to stay he didn't 
He got the he got on a on an annual basis the most money in NFL history, the highest paid player ever. Remember when we were talking on this podcast about him being the next Tom Brady? That shit didn't happen. So somebody got to go there now. They're not going to keep everybody, Danny. They're not. So that they, that well, listen, we we don't we don't a hundred percent know on the structure of the deal, but. The original, the initial reporting of it suggests that that is true. But even so, even if they don't keep everybody, I don't believe that like the Bengals will just always be the Bungles. And like a ton of people, when I talked about it on the show and tweeted out that I've had the Lions making the Super Bowl, they're like, nah, it's the Lions. They'll always be the Lions. We could have said that about the Chiefs before they got Pat Mahomes. We, you just mentioned the Bengals' playoff success before they got Joe Burrow. You know, like, I just, I don't believe that that exists in a salary cap league where everybody has to basically spend the same amount of money. If you, yes, of course, great coaching, great ownership. I'm not saying that there isn't a value there and that there isn't a gap between the best and the worst. Of course there is. But if Pat Mahomes picked the worst team, the worst franchise in the NFL, Pick one. The Browns. Okay. What do you want to say? The Jaguars. Sure. Like yeah, make, you can make it. You can make it. The Browns. Put Pat Mahomes on the Browns. Their Super Bowl window is wide open. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's just how it works. If you have a truly transcendent generational quarterback, and I think that's what Joe Burrow is. Yeah, but you brought up the ownership point. I just their owner over time has proven that he's not a competitive advantage for them. No, he definitely isn't. But he also hasn't been holding them back since they got Joe Burrow. Well, that's because they drafted well around him. I mean, that what helps. Yes, I mean, I, I you you can say all you want about how like what happened twenty years ago has no bearing on what happens now, and for the most part, I would agree with that. But I don't know. I, I know that the White Sox won a World Series in 05, but most of the time, don't you just assume Jerry Reinsdorf was going to fuck it up? I would if I lived in Chicago. Yes, yes. I think you looked that way with the Commanders and Jer- and Dan Snyder before he sold the team. I lump Mike Brown in with those guys until proven otherwise. And I know he he got it done with Joe Burrow. That's great. But Joe Burrow was talking a big game about how he was going to do things differently, and he didn't. And I right, just feel the, like that'll have consequences there. Yeah, but the Bengals did not win the Super Bowl last year because of Mike Brown. You know, like it just – it. It's not those other situations when you have that guy, in my opinion. Dolphins, Chargers. This week one, by the way, it's so good. I, the, the schedule makers absolutely crushed week one. Like, I hate that it's Bears-Packers. Well, let's see if you're saying the same thing once we get down to, like, the last three or four games in this rundown, buddy. Oh, uh, it's a great week one, buddy. It's fantastic. Is Dolphins Chargers the most important week one game for both teams? So I so I asked the question. So clearly I think it is. So my answer here is yes. And that's Make because and that's because when I went game by game, I thought to myself, all right, like if this team lost, how would they feel? If this team won, you know, like the what are the what are the ramifications of each game? And I think about where the Dolphins and Chargers are priced. Super Bowl odds, AFC championship odds, 
their win totals. I mean, it's the exact same thing for both teams. It's like they're right there, looked at as probably best case scenario for both second place finishers in their division. So that means if you're a second place team, you're not competing for seven playoff spots. You're competing for three. There's only three wild cards. So it just feels early in the season to me like the winner tiebreaker scenario would put themselves in a, in a, would have a big edge over the other. Cause I think these teams are going to be right in the same spot, 10, 11 wins, nine, 10 wins, maybe. And that could be the difference between who's in and who's out. It could also be the difference between playing the worst division winner and being the seven seed and having to go to a place like Cincinnati or Arrowhead in the wild card round. I agree with everything you said. I think that these two teams are the Spider-Man meme, you know, now, I think that there is more downward volatility for the Dolphins because of Tua and his injuries. Like, I, you know, I think that I would be floored if the Chargers were a six-win team. If Tua gets hurt, obviously they could be a six-win team. Now, if Herbert gets hurt, and anybody can, but obviously Tua is much more of an injury risk than, than Justin Herbert. I think that Justin Herbert, you know I love him as a talent. You know that everybody loves him as a talent. I know what your argument is. He actually has to do it in terms of winning games. The guy threw for 4,700 yards last year, and they gave him a first-round wide receiver and upgraded his offensive coordinator. Like, I think he's a good MVP bet, even though he's not going to win his division, most likely. But I think he easily could throw for 5,000 yards this year. He was second in the damn NFL last year so if Mahomes just takes a little bit of a step back in terms of the statistical production which based on tonight and the skill position guys certainly at least seems on the board like I think we could easily be talking about Herbert having one of those 5,000 yard 40 touchdowns just crazy seasons so I like the Chargers they've got a really tough spot like we talk about every year with them having no home field advantage Miami's roster is incredible I like both these teams to make the playoffs, but undeniably, this is a huge spot for tiebreakers in the. And I also think that the Kansas City cracked the door open a tiny bit by losing, and it would help to get a win under your belt against another AFC contender at home, and just have the standings for the first week with your name above Kansas City's. I think just right out of the gate, that would help uh, LA from a not only a psychological point of view, but just also you know, literally like to be ahead of them in the standings. And, you know, the last thing I'll say about the offensive coordinator thing is I think Kellen Moore is an upgrade on Lombardi for sure. But man, Cowboys fans got really tired of Moore in Dallas and were peeved off at him by the end. And so I am, I am wondering how much of a net positive that's going to be for LA in the end. It's an upgrade but it's an upgrade because the guy he's replacing might have been the worst offensive coordinator in the NFL last year. But he threw for 4,700 yards. Yes. So if you go you... back and look at him, I mean, the guy did not use his cannon. He was he was dumping the ball off way too much in that I offense know, but I, last but year. I, but if you upgrade from that, it's pretty good. Pretty good. All right, Danny. Cardinals and Commanders. I want to make this question about Caleb Williams because I think it actually might apply to both teams, even though you like Washington oddly to like be a quasi-playoff team. Uh, 
Would he go back to college if one of these teams had the number one overall pick? I thought it was an unbelievably fascinating quote to GQ from Carl Williams, Caleb's father. My answer is no. Because I, while he's making reportedly a little bit over two and a half million bucks in NIL money, and he's got a huge insurance policy, and if he won another Heisman, had another great year, he could probably quadruple or more that in NIL money by going back to USC and trying to be, you know, the most decorated college player ever and all of that. Like, I, I do think that it is at least worth discussing, given that his dad said it, and you can now make money above board in college. But why wouldn't he just Eli Manning it? Why, why wouldn't he just say, you know, if, if he's as good as everybody says he is, which he looks like he is, if the Cardinals got the pick and he wanted to go to the NFL – but he didn't want to go to the Cardinals. Ten teams would make offers to the Cardinals. One of them would be a team that he would want to go to, and he would engineer it. I understand he'd then be going to a team that would have less less draft capital, but I don't think that is enough to delay that second NFL contract, which is where you make what Joe Burrow got today and then add five years of inflation to it. And second point, I don't know why he would say no to the commanders. DC play in the NFC East, big media market, Dotson and McLaurin to throw the ball to. They if they got were so bad to get the number 1 overall pick, they'd be firing Ron Rivera. Yeah. You know I, I, mean? I hear you I, on that. Yeah, it's and, a different and new it's a ownership different, after it's a Schneider. Order, like yeah. I I don't think the Commanders are is a bad spot at all for Caleb Williams to go to in that spot. The Cardinals sure, and, but and I think he's from that area. I think he's a DC kid. So you know, unless he was nervous about going like back home and, you know, the pressure he that would come to that. that. He would not do that. I agree with you. I think he'd go to Washington now that there's an ownership change there. The Cardinals point, why would he, why wouldn't he pull an Eli Manning? Because what if Arizona didn't back down? I mean, they've got the second, they've got the Texans number one pick too. If they picked him, what would he do? Just sit out the entire year, not get paid by anybody? Well, presumably he would know and go back and, you know, if like, if they said we won't trade the pick and we will draft you, then I guess that in that hardball scenario. And they can play harder ball because they've got the other first round pick. I think that I I also don't think Arizona, I mean, unless he like really thinks the ownership is that bad and maybe Gannon's going to be terrible and we both think he's not going to be good. They drafted Paris Johnson Jr. with what the sixth pick. And they'll have the Houston pick. Like he could have a second year franchise left tackle, Marvin Harrison Jr. with the Texans pick, and him in Arizona playing in great weather. I mean, on the on paper, it's not a terrible spot. I mean, you could have said that about Eli Manning in San Diego with the weather and with Ladanian Tomlinson and all those things too. And he just said, I just don't trust yeah. this organization. And that's the bottom line with Arizona. You know, outside of a you know, two or three years in the last three decades, they've been a sad sack organization. They've always been. Yeah. I mean, look, so, you know, I, I, I actually applaud him. And now these guys have more reason to go back to college because they can make millions of dollars. So it is a legit question now more than it ever has been. Bucks Vikings, Mike Evans, add him to the list of dudes in a contract dispute. Who should trade for him? Okay. So if I say Kansas city, 
because of what we watched Thursday night. What's your reaction to that, Danny? You know that team. Do you think they'd give up a second-round pick for him? Yeah. Yeah. I think that they look at they every... pay him? What? Could they pay him? Uh, I mean, you know how the NFL salary cap is fake. <laughs> it is. What are you doing? I just, I went on this rant about how Burrow was going to take money away from other guys. Why didn't you say during that discussion, actually the salary cap is made up. Who gives a crap? It is. No, it's not. It is. You can always restructure, make money, bonus money, defer it down the road. Like if you're in win now mode, the salary cap is fake. It is. But I don't know. Tell, tell the chiefs that last year when they made all those moves, like the Tyreek Hill trade to get cap compliant or to set their cap up for future years. If it's made up, why'd they do that, Danny? It's a good question, Pony. But I listen, I think that the Chiefs in the Reed Mahomes Kelsey window look at every year as sacred because Kelsey turns, what, 34 this year? We just saw what they looked like without him on the field. How many years left does he possibly have as being a true difference maker? Two. Well, I know you say that, but like, did they treat 2022 as sacred? They ended up winning the Super Bowl, but their moves in the offseason were a reboot, take a step backward to take two forward type offseason. They didn't go all in to win last year. They still did it, and that's a credit to Mahomes, Kelsey, and Andy Reid. Yes, but they didn't go all out like the Bucks and Rams and those teams have. Well, no, they they don't they don't want to do that. Like they 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 want to be a dynasty. They don't want to. But but like that's why I don't think they trade for Evans. I say I say Kansas City, but I don't think they'd actually do it. I I think that they they value weapons enough, and if it becomes a big enough, like I also think that there is a chance, and this is like one of those soft factors that's imp- impossible to quantify, but like. Does Tony make one or two of those catches if Kelsey's on the field? Now, he's not necessarily more open, but there is less pressure on him. Kelsey is making big plays. Kelsey is signaling first down. The crowd is going crazy. There's just there's less pressure. Tony's on him. probably not getting the ball thrown to him in those situations if Kelsey's out there. Well, well, right. But you know what I mean? But like, so in that scenario, Sky Moore's job is easier, not just and, and Tony's job is easier with Kelsey on the field. Not just because he's commanding more defensive attention, but also people are just like expecting less of them. Mm-hmm. There's less human nature pressure to, oh my God, I have to step up and I have to make this play. So I think it's actually in play that Tony or Sky Moore or uh, Watson or Gray or whomever play better with Kelsey on the field just because there's less pressure on them. But if in four or five weeks with Kelsey back, those guys all still suck. Yeah, I think it's in play that they do it. I mean, let's talk about the other team we saw tonight, the Lions. I know they have Jamison Williams coming back, but I think Mike Evans would look pretty damn good on that team too. Yeah, you know who I think should do it though? Jacksonville. And I know that they're stacked and they've already made the Ridley move. Yeah. But as long as they have Lawrence on a rookie contract, I would seriously just try to go all in their defense is is young and talented, but it just hasn't come together for them. Like you're in an arms race. You've got Cincinnati with three receivers. Uh, you got the, the Jets. Have, 
You know, I thought about them, but you've got the Allen contract, how much they've paid Diggs. Diggs may be wanting more money soon. Like they had ample opportunity to make other wide receiver moves like Hopkins and they passed on it. Should they? Yes. But do I think they will? No. Like I think the team that rolls the dice on Evans is a team that's not paying a starting quarterback a lot of money. That still thinks it can win. So not Dallas, because that was no. the next team I thought of. Because they've got Cooks and CD Lamb there. The Bears? Why not? They won't though. No, they I just won't. don't think Ryan Poles believes in that kind of move, but Yeah, no. Well, I mean, I, I think he will when he and has They made the Claypool trade. Right. Exactly. They Team think they that, have their Mike Evans and Claypool, which is wrong. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, very wrong. I'll tell you what, Carolina could use a guy like that too, but I don't think it I don't think a trade inside the division would happen. Also, you know, do they want another older receiver? But they've got nobody for young. I mean, I you like that team for some strange reason. Dude, Phelan and Chark are hurt right now. They've got well, nobody. that's not good. And and Sanders is bad. Yep. No, I mean, listen, they, they might score the fewest points of any team in the league. And, and Burns has a contract. Thing. Like since we last talked, four pieces of bad news have come out for Carolina. Okay. Yep. So I mean, like, I'm not I again, I'm not saying they're gonna be great. My logic on that has been pretty simple. They won seven games last year. They've got a great defense. They have a great coaching staff. They upgraded at head coach. They upgraded at defensive coordinator, and they upgraded at quarterback. And it's a bad division. So I don't, I don't think they're going to be bottom five in the NFL. But they do have weak skill position guys, and it could be a long year uh, for Bryce Young in that way. Uh, what was the next game? I'm sorry, I lost Jaguars that. Colts. Let's Thank just you. take two minutes on this. You know, people that haven't listened to the podcast know that we both love the bet. Why is the line in this game scaring the shit out of me? Only four and a half when it's a team that is a very sexy pick to win the most games in the AFC now versus a rookie quarterback and no Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. I. What's the number that it would have to be for you to bet Indy? Seven? Probably, or seven and a half. Wow, even seven and a half. I mean, listen, I think that home field advantage means very little in the modern NFL, and that's been borne out by the numbers the last few years, especially. Yeah, we just saw Lions fans kind of take over Arrowhead Thursday night. So well, that Jaguars fans, that's different. Like, it was a great job by Lions fans, by the way. <laughs> I know. I was I stunned mean, by that. But, I mean, I get I, I get it. It's an awesome venue. It's I don't a, get it for Kansas City fans. It's a banner night. Don't let these people come in there and take over. You know how tickets go to the highest bidder. I just felt like it was an event night for Chiefs fans because they wanted to see Super Bowl hoopla again. No, they should have been. It, it, no, 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 no question, but road fans... I, I get why Lions fans wanted to pay big money to be at that game. And I never I never underestimate people's willingness to make big money on their tickets. Like th- like selling for banner night probably paid for three future games for you know what I mean? Not for season ticket holders. So I get it, but it was a good job by Lions fans. Uh I also was surprised by the number. I don't really believe in trap spreads, though. Like I just think that. 
sharp betters really set these numbers. So the so so the odds makers power ratings don't think the Jaguars are that good. Correct. Or as good as the rest of us do. Well, and I think side. that they think that the Colts were not as bad as they were last year. Like the offensive line is not as bad as it performed last year. Um they're without their best player and they're starting a quarterback Jonathan in the NFL. Taylor is not their best player. Who is? Shaquille Leonard. He might not play with a concussion. Okay, well, that's not who you were referring to. No, I was – well, healthy Shaquille Leonard is better than healthy Jonathan Taylor. I think people would be very surprised to hear that. And even – I do. I think – Shaq Leonard's one of the best defensive players in the league. Yeah. At a more premium position than running back. I don't – if it's a more premium position, it's barely because inside linebacker is pretty much like the defensive equivalent. Yeah, but not how he plays it, man. He's a turnover machine at that position. I think turnovers are mostly luck. I don't think inside linebackers are turnover machines. Okay, I mean. I know. You, I, you, look, you're coming from Dick Butkus and Brian Erlacher, capital of the world, right? So you're going to overestimate the inside linebacker. I totally get that. Wait a second. I mean. There, he he has been an outlier though. He has seventeen forced fumbles in sixty one games. Yeah, and you also are in a town where Peanut Tillman was lauded for punching balls out. I get it. You're going to make a big deal out of stuff like that. I'm not. He has twelve interceptions and seventeen Great. forced fumbles. Good for him. What do you mean, good for him? I think if you look, I think if you looked at the players' top one hundred poll every year for the last three or four years three years since Jonathan Taylor's come in the league, I bet he was voted as a better player than Shaq Leonard every time. I, so I'll rest my case on that. Oh, on, on how the players vote? Yes. Okay. Let, let me Google that real quick. You're going to be wrong. Oh, really? Because he was the 18th ranked player in the entire league in on the 2022 list. Seriously? Yeah. Where was Where was Taylor? I didn't Google that, but I, I'm happy to I'm happy to Google that for you. And I'm not talking about like PFF's list. I'm talking about Oh, the players list. Well then they they overrated Shaq Leonard. And now I'm discovering this was a very faulty argument by me because I had no knowledge of <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What are you talking about? Dude, Shaquille Leonard, th- th- those numbers are come on. All right, I don't think Vegas is making a line because an inside linebacker is healthy, though. I guess I'll go back to that. Well, they're not making a line because of a running back either. The the, the point spread didn't stop. Stop. Is this well? Other than Houston, Baltimore, this might be the most lopsided quarterback matchup of the entire week, though. So that's why the line being four and a half is just stunning to me. And I'm not saying I'm not surprised me. by the line not being a little bit higher. Uh, I am saying that Shaquille Leonard is a better player than Jonathan Taylor. That is what I'm saying. Rams Seahawks. All right. What happens to your beloved bounce back Rams? Yeah. If if Cooper Cup's injury is serious. That take did not age well. (laughs) Uh, I heard Orlovsky say on ESPN on Thursday morning that he thinks the Rams could trade Matt Stafford in season. Which, can you think of any in-season quarterback trades. The only one that comes to mind is when Carson Palmer was retired and he got traded to the Raiders and he played for Oakland that year without having gone through training camp with the Raiders. That's the one one time 
that pops into my head, a starting quarterback caliber guy was on the move in season. Um, yeah. But like, they're so top heavy. If they're already dealing with this stuff now, I think they're in, I I think it can get off course very quickly. Uh, so I'm, I'm worried for them because I think Stafford at this point in his career, I think a lot of his success is based on who's around him and especially the connection he has with Cup, well, which is great. Well, Cooper Cup, I mean, obviously like a guy like Justin Jefferson or Devontae Adams are more like physical freaks and specimens at the position. But Cooper Cup it would be any quarterback's best friend because he's open the second the ball is snapped. Yep. You know, he his short area quickness and ability to get open, agility, however you want to say it, is one of the best, if not the best, I've ever seen. So he he abs and especially for a guy who doesn't have mobility and a desire to extend plays like Stafford, you know, it even matters more for a guy like him. Oh, the rush is there. I know I can throw it to Cooper Cup because he'll break off his route and he'll be open. So it, it's it's a devastating injury for them. And we've talked about it all offseason. Their only shot is their because they traded away all the draft picks is if how their top-heavy veterans all play great. Donald has to be great. Stafford has to be great. Cup has to be great. You know, like Cam Akers has to be effective. Their offensive line has to be better than a disaster, which is what it was last year. So it's it's devastating. And hamstring specialist. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was not familiar. And IR, not off the table. Wait, 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 had you – we have hamstring specialists? I was not aware of this. I've met with a hamstring specialist before, as a matter of fact. Really? Yes. Basketball injury? Uh, joking around and kicking field goals at a high school mm. injury. Yeah, I just thought that, like, the hamstring was a fairly straightforward Oh, thing. no. No, the, the, the sports medicine uh, industry has blown up, and now we do have specialists for things like that. Elbow specialists, hamstring specialists. Obviously I knew about, I mean, specialists. yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I knew about elbows. Oh, yeah. I knew, I knew about elbows. Knew about, I, knew about, I knew about all the, you know, the shoulder and, and the, the knees. I did not know that we had, do, do we, so do we have uh, quad specialists? Uh, maybe, but hamstrings are, are a more common injury because people that don't work out and fuck around tend to blow out their hamstrings. A lot of, uh, because of the growth of pickleball as a sport, the hamstring injuries have skyrocketed. And so now there is a, there's a dire need. There's the hamstring <laughs> Wow. Yes. We are some old 30 year old has-beens <laughs> or never was in my case. You were a pretty good athlete. Uh, Texans Ravens. If you're a Ravens, by the way, before you ask the question, this was my favorite question that you wrote. Raven, if you're a Ravens fan, what's the minimum stat line from Lamar that makes you happy in this game? I loved the question because the whole it's a bad opponent, but it's an entirely new rollout of a new system, and it's after the big contract. So, like, it's a great question because you normally say. It's going to take some time and it taking some time is totally fine. But given that it's the Texans, people might be irrational on it. 
So I will answer it how you wrote it. What would make you happy? It would be if he had an efficient passing game with multiple passing touchdowns and a completion percentage of 70%. Because he's been 62% for the last two years. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it needs to be like 300 yards or 350 yards or like yeah. a bunch of downfield bombs. But if it if it showed that he took the checkdowns, hit the easy ones, got the ball out of his hands, didn't take hits, like no turnovers, one sack or less, 68, 70% completion percentage, like just prioritizing efficiency and like no negative plays. That's what I would be looking for as a Ravens fan in this game. I think it's a, I think it's a passer rating in the one hundreds. I know that's the, that formula and that stat. It's not like the most accurate way of measuring quarterback play, but I think just to put it in, kind of terms we can all understand in layman's term without getting like too bogged down to the numbers. That's what I would want. Like you don't need to throw it a bunch. You don't need, like you said, to hit a bunch of deep balls and make it look like the game he had against Miami a few years ago when they were tanking and they were awful. And I think he threw like five or six touchdown passes in that first game and guys were wide open downfield like Hollywood Brown. Um, But just, Go out there and look like you're a franchise quarterback and you're playing a team with a first-year head coach and a team that really does not have a lot of good NFL players in your home stadium on Sunday. And I think a passer rating in the hundreds where maybe it's only on 20 pass attempts, but it's mistake-free and it's just a very well-played, polished, professional game from Lamar. That would surprise me if it was only 20 pass attempts. I think that they're going to, like, by design, like, when use the passing game as an extension of the running game just to, like, get it going. You know what I mean? Like, it would, yeah. You're you're probably right. Like, they could win the game with only 20 pass attempts and just giving Dobbins the ball and all that. But given, like, the huge emphasis on it, it would surprise me if he was under 30 pass attempts in this game. Um, Panthers-Falcons, which quarterback's going to have the better year, Bryce Young or Desmond Ritter? So, full disclosure, neither one of us are big Bryce Young guys. Right. But I don't think either one of us is really that high on Ritter either. Um, The guy didn't throw an interception last year, but they were running the ball in games where they were down three touchdowns in the second half. So they were so deathly afraid in in Atlanta to ask their quarterback to do anything. The weapons are no contest. It's very much in favor of Atlanta. But I think Ritter is going to get benched there this year. I think Heineke is going to end up starting games for them. Um, I'm I'm not on the Falcons bandwagon. That seems to be the one pick that most NFL people are making that I'm just like, what? And it's based on all the close games they lost last year and the money they spent in free agency and bring bringing Robinson. And even though the football analytics people don't believe in taking a running back that high, they're then still saying he's a great player that will make them 
much better this year. Uh, I'm saying young because I don't think Ritter is going to make it through 17 games. The backup's just good enough there where if Ritter can't make it happen the first couple of games, I think they make a change. So who are you picking to win the NFC South again? Saints. So you're with the favorite in that division. So I'm not. And I've gone just like back and forth on Carolina or or Atlanta on who it'll be. And you know my argument on the on the Panthers, upgrading coaching and quarterback from a seven-win team with a good front seven. But all of these injuries and the bad skill position guys, Falcons play like 11 of their games in a dome this year. They've got great skill position. You mentioned the close games. You mentioned the free agent additions. I think Bryce Young will be much, 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 much better than Desmond Ritter. He'll have a 10-year career in the NFL. At least. But it's about right now that I'm asking. It's this year. I think it's Ritter because of everything that he has going for him around him, statistically. So Desmond Ritter is going to start a playoff game this year? Yeah, and we're going to bet against him. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we'll even – but there'll be an underdog at home probably. That's fine. In that game. That's fine. I've bet on favorites before. Man. All right, I'm asking you the same question, but this time for a different game. Raiders yeah. and Broncos, Jimmy G or Russell Wilson? My answer is going to surprise you. I'm going to say Jimmy G. Oh, you, you actually, I don't think this was, I don't know if this was intentional on your part, but I actually thought you were so persuasive on the Raiders during the AFC season podcast that I almost... I almost put them in the playoffs. I I wanted to find a way to get them in. I, I ended up leaving them just on the outside looking in as like my eighth team in the conference. But the way that they blew those games last year and Garoppolo, if you look at his numbers last year in San Francisco, they were outstanding before he got hurt. I think it was 17 touchdowns to three interceptions. Um, the DVOA stat, which I'm not... I have no fucking idea how they do it, but like all the gambling people say you shouldn't base your bets on that stat more than anything else. Have you heard that? Yeah. Mahomes was, was the only quarterback better than Garoppolo last year on that, by that number on a per game basis. Now, a lot of that is San Francisco system. I get that. But as you pointed out, McDaniel's system is Jimmy G friendly and it's not like they don't have good players there for him to throw the ball to. Their line was surprisingly good last year. And they got things figured out with Josh Jacobs in enough time for the season to start. So, And if Tyree Wilson is good opposite Crosby, that's pretty electric. Though the Chandler Jones situation is weird. Very much so. That yeah. is a very weird thing. Yeah, they lost a ton of close games. Their win total is only like six and a half because of the division and all that. I just think McDaniel stinks. I but he's a good offensive coach and the game management thing he's bad at. But I mean Russell Wilson getting his groove back. Their wide receivers are already hurt. The wide right. Well, so that's the that's the thing. If this was Madden, you know, and you could just like turn off injuries. I think it's Russell Wilson without question. And I still lean Russell Wilson because my answer was going to be Russ. 
because I think he is significantly more talented than Jimmy G. And I think that Sean Payton is significantly better than Josh McDaniels. I don't think he's significantly more talented right now. He clearly was two or three years ago. I don't think that's true at the moment. And I also don't think for Wilson, you know, sometimes you accuse me of reading too much into like what's getting said. Yeah. That whole Peyton Manning story that he relayed about Peyton and Russell Wilson, I did not like that for their relationship. That he told the guy, stop fucking kissing babies. Like the I hell just quote. I know. Like I, I just don't think. Hold on, Peyton, we you agree that that is good advice for him? Yes, but I just don't think Russell Wilson is gonna is gonna take it well. And Peyton has said multiple times in the preseason that he thinks Stidham is good enough to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. And I think he's gonna want to make that change at some point this season. He might not be able to do it because there's way too much. Uh, on the line and a lot of money at stake with Wilson. But I just don't think Russell Wilson is the type of guy that takes the hard coaching that well. Well, then he's going to have a long couple of years, buddy. Yes, he will. Because that kind of He's going to be making a lot of money. Uh, Titan Saints is the last one. Uh, I'd like to recommend a show bet on the Saints minus three because we both hate the Titans. And can't stand Tennessee. Now, you did you say on the AFC podcast you do think they might actually? Oh uh, no! I listen. I said stuff? that they are annoying in that they're very well coached. They have a bad division. Tannehill is a he will go down chucking like he's not afraid. And I think their skill position guys are a little underrated. Like I, I like Burks. Obviously, Henry and Hopkins are elite talents who are on the backside of their prime, but still productive. The reports out of Tennessee are that that tight end looks awesome there this year. You know what I mean? So, like, I I don't think we will be able to completely write them off again. And I don't think the Saints are nearly as good as you do. But you love the Saints minus three? I don't love them, but I like them because I hate Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, I do too. This doesn't. I, I can't. I, I don't. I don't think I can get you on this one. No, I'm not we, on this one. We might. We might have to wait until the Monday night game between the Jets and Bills to make For our show. That. Yeah, we both like the Jets this year. Yeah, no, that's we definitely do like the Jets this year. But the thing I was going to ask you about this game because it's like the last game on the board. Did you Did you end up doing Sunday Ticket with all the YouTube TV and craziness? No. So what's but, your plan for Sundays this year then? So, full disclosure, I haven't had Sunday ticket in a few years. I haven't felt the need. Red Zone is so awesome that I watch the Bears game and Red Zone and then Red Zone and then whatever other two games are on and I flip back and forth. And I think that the Red Zone product – if you really care about your home market team, like if you live in Pittsburgh and you're a Bears fan, or you live in Chicago and you're a Steelers fan, then Red Zone may as well, well or a Sunday ticket may as well be like a utility. It may as well be like paying your electric bill. Like, of course, it's necessary. It's like water. But if you live in the market of the team that you actually care about, that you're locked in on, Red Zone to me has not made Sunday ticket a complete necessity. 
So I will not be jumping through the YouTube TV hoops. And I'm anti-cutting the cord. <laughs> May I ask why? Yeah, it sucks. It's hard to change the channel. You're going to have tech issues with buffering. You end up bundling a bunch of shit together and paying an exorbitant price. So you don't end up saving money. You save a little money, but not a ton. And it's, and it's, you can't live bet because you're inevitably far behind. So, so far behind. So no, you can't be a serious sports fan and have cut the cord. Sorry. So this is going to shock you. I don't watch red zone. I, I have not watched Red Zone in, maybe, so good. Uh, in, in more than a decade. In and, more than a decade? Yes. That's because, and this is this is going to piss you off, I can just tell. I don't flip around. What do you mean? I start with a game, and I stay with the game, unless something about the game becomes bad enough that I switch over, and then I'm completely out. And then I'm into the next game. And I stay on that game until it becomes a blowout or I lose interest. How many TVs do you have going? So I have a three TV setup in my basement. But my issue is that I feel like with Red Zone, if I end up watching that, I don't really... I don't... You're seeing everything, but I actually think you're seeing nothing. No, you're wrong. Because it's hard to keep. It's just highlights, pretty much. Like no, I, you I haven't watched in ten years. They do a good job no. of like showing you how did we get down here, and then the scoring play or the sequence. Like they re, they recap like the the process of it pretty quickly. I'd rather watch one or two games super closely than try to watch bits and pieces of seven or eight. Well, that's disconcerting given that we host a podcast where on Sunday night we do every game well, every week every no team. no I okay so like obviously <laughs> once the games are done I make sure that I watch the Sunday night the football night in America highlights and the NFL prime time and I'm keeping oh so track. highlights are okay but while the games are going on you don't want to get because you get more than highlights like you know what I, I want to like, die I want to dial in to the games that I care about the one or two games. Yeah. I mean, I don't like what you just said. Like, how do you, so you have the red zone channel on like when you're trying to watch the noon bears game, how the hell do you, how do you actually lock in with laser focus to the bears? I feel like you're probably just drifting off and staring at red zone. Cause you can't keep your eyes off of all the turnover plays and scoring plays and everything else that happens there. Pony, there's a lot of bandwidth up here, buddy. <laughs> I've known you for a long time. <laughs> You're overestimating your bandwidth, bro. Big time. I got plenty of bandwidth. It's not that hard. I watch the Bears, and I have Red Zone on, and I lock in on the Bears. And when there's a – and, like, by the way, there is Rewind. There is Twitter. There are – you know what I mean? Like – I make I catch things. I'm I'm and and the other the truth is too. Afternoons helps. I rewatch the Bears game before the show. Yep, so do I. On on Monday morning, you know what I mean. So yep. like, or at least the second half, like depending on like what's going on with the kids in my day. 
So like I I like the NFL so much. And we have this podcast and I've got gambling and fantasy and pools and all of that. Like the idea of like not consuming as much of it as possible and like plugging into the matrix. I just so are you not on Twitter during these games? No, I am. Well, it's distracting. The commercials. Oh, but I thought that you but you you don't ever get sucked into the replies and your tweets and your timeline. <laughs> no. I'm like Nick. Nick evangelized me. I'm not looking at my mentions anymore. I used to love the battlefield and the cesspool that was my mentions. But ever since Nick said that, I've actually gone out of my way to avoid them. Uh, it, 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 it actually, I don't know if it's helped my mental health whatsoever, but I just thought it was a good piece of advice. So I'm not, in that way, I'm not like spending, you know, 30 minutes a week looking at what one person says about like something I tweeted or said on the air. So. All right. Well, enjoy living in 1986 <laughs> and watching two or three NFL games a Sunday. Thank you. Three TVs. Enjoy trying to watch 14 and not knowing what the hell happened in any of them. Okay. All right, buddy. Well, 70 minutes for week one. Spencer, oh, so good. Spencer deserves a raise. This was a good show. We're a good show. I hope the bosses pay attention. <laughs> They're watching till the very end of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, bosses. We all deserve a raise. This is a good damn show. We should be syndicated. Thank you to Spencer Ray. We will be coming to you live after Cowboys and Giants. Reacting to all the games from Sunday. Pony will have watched approximately 22% of them. And then we will be getting ready also for Bills and Jets on Monday night. See you, buddy. See ya. Twenty four hundred sports is an Odyssey company.